Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Last month we talked about the basics of science of mind. This week we're moving beyond that. We're using What If It All Goes Right, a book by uh, Mindy Odlin, to kind of amplify or give us more practical advice on how we might use the divine creative process, how we can uh, help move forward in this idea that our thoughts become things, and how to cultivate the thoughts that will bring about lives more to our liking. Um, Last week, you'll remember, we talked about the idea of having a contract, if you will, with spirit. Uh, And with any good contract, whether it's a business contract or a spiritual one, we talked about us doing our part and getting out of the way to allow God to do God's part. Specifically, our part is to have that vision. Our part is to understand with some clarity how we want to show up in the world, how we want to be of use in the world, and to begin to take steps towards that goal, towards that vision of us in a new and improved environment and state. And our job is also then to give up the how that's going to happen to spirit. Uh, we, we, we talked about getting in trouble when we want to muscle down and try to do God's business for God. Then we're simply limiting our potential in the universe for, for really getting the kind of life we want when we start dictating to God exactly how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen and the means by which it has to happen. Uh, every time we do that, we just narrow the field of the infinite possibilities and saying, nope, I'm only going to take my success if it looks this certain way. I'm only going to find that perfect life partner uh, uh, if he or she walks this path. And so we simply narrow our choices when we try to take control of God's part of the contract. Today, though, I want to talk about something uh, on target with that, but a little different. Because you'll remember, if our job is to have that vision, how do we know it's the right vision? How do we know that it isn't our ego leading us down some some strange road that really isn't going to serve us in the end? How do we know that the voice in our head is the still small voice of spirit and not the controlling voice (laughs) of an ex-partner or our mother when we were growing up, right? How How do we gauge what that right road, that right path for us is? Well, I want to start with a joke. So an older gentleman was driving down the freeway when his car phone rang. Answering, he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him. Herman, I just heard on the news there's a car going the wrong way on the 205. Do be careful. No kidding, says Herman. I think I might be right in the middle of it. But it's not just one car. There must be hundreds of them. Have you ever been in that position where, where you think you know where you want to be heading and it just feels like you're swimming upstream? Where everything you try to do seems to be defeated. Where, where every notion, every step you take, it's just like you're swimming through honey uphill. Crazy, isn't it? So how do we pick the easier way? How do we pick a path that not only uh, illuminates us, not only brings to fruition some of our dreams, but also isn't a struggle? 
We'll have some ideas around that. But first, it's time for our pop quiz. I know, every now and then, it's just time for a pop quiz. So I'm going to give you the name of someone that I think is famous, someone whose name I think you'll recognize, and I'd like you, if you would, to throw out suggestions about why you think that person is or was famous. So first one, Johann Gutenberg. Okay, uh, I heard two or three things that are right on the spot. One, inventor of the printing press. Because he invented the printing press, it was the first time that the Bible could actually be printed and distributed and not written out by hand. And, and then the further addition of movable typefaces, which he also created, really set the stage for modern printing and, and even newspapers uh, today. So, so a huge advancement. All right, next name, Galileo Galilei. Okay, yeah, I, I, I got two or, three, uh, two or three absolute reasons there. First of all, modern astronomy, also creator of really the first uh, uh, telescope in the world. And, and so amazing contribution uh, to astronomy. How about Louis Pasteur? Well, of course, pasteurization uh, was named after him, that uh, safe way of treating milk so that it still had uh, its life-giving qualities and it could be shipped and stored for some distance, but also the inventor, if you will, of the idea of vaccines. Uh, we had never had the idea of preventing disease before through the use of vaccines prior to him. And last one, how about Madame Curie, uh, Madame uh, Marie Curie? Okay, uh, uh, you, you got it covered here. Uh, not only did she document how x-rays work, uh, but really the whole idea of radiology, the whole idea of radioactivity uh, w was uh, uh, her doorstep. In fact, she was the first person to win two Nobel Prizes, one, uh, one in um, uh, chemistry and one in physics. Uh, something unheard of, of course, at the time. And for a woman besides tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous benefit to the world. So what do all these people have in common? In fact, we could go on. We could name a list of maybe the top 100 people that you've heard of and talk about them. And there's one thing that they all have in common. And it's actually kind of the good news and the bad news of the story that I want to talk about today. What they all have in common is that they're known for what they did. Now, this isn't a bad thing, right? They all advanced science. They moved us forward in women's rights. You know, any number of things that we could pick upon people who we think of as being famous and who contributed to the world, their contributions, of course, stunning. But do we actually generally know much about these people? Do we understand who they were as people, what their thinking processes are? Now, if we move back to that idea of the divine creative process, I will tell you, these were not random achievements. These were people who had their thoughts, their emotions, their dreams, and their purpose all in extreme alignment and were willing day in and day out to take steps towards a goal that in many cases was very elusive, not their, not their connection to it, but the results of it, very out there. You know, getting ready for the talk, I actually did, uh, uh, I spent a few hours catching myself up on Marie Curie, and uh, 
oh my gosh, here was a woman when women, first of all, weren't supposed to be doing this kind of activity that spent 20 years of her life studying something that was invisible with no clear result at the end of it, right? She was simply studying substances that seemed to have an effect on other substances in some invisible fashion that couldn't be explained by electricity, that couldn't be explained by magnetism, any of the other things that we could think of to explain why, why uh, being t in too close proximity to radioactive substances would cause you harm. There was no explanation for it. And so she devoted, think about this, she devoted a quarter of her life to researching and studying something entirely invisible with no upfront idea of how this could be put to practical use in the world. A stunning achievement, but to me that's not really what's stunning. What's stunning is her consciousness. The ability to put in such perfect alignment, her, her goal of understanding and her wanting to further uh, how we know that the world works, her desire to do that to the extent of, I mean, think about it. Can you imagine going to the university and saying, well, uh, I, need to, I need my salary for about 10 years. I need to invent some laboratory equipment that's going to be really expensive, and you're not going to get any results for about 10 or 15 years if there are any results other than we will know how this works, right? I mean, this is an outstanding commitment to her own belief in furthering something that it was even invisible. Now I want to tell you a sadder story, <laughs> a personal one, no less. Uh, so uh, when I was working for the telephone company in my 40s, I noticed that uh, the company came out with this plan. Uh, it was back when the telephone company, I think, was a nicer place to work. And rather than firing people and hiring brand new people that had certain levels of expertise, uh, they were going to pay for people uh, to learn new things in place. And they were actually willing to pay for people's college degrees, assuming that they could see how it would further the work at the telephone company. And so uh, as a, a relatively young person at the time, in my late 30s, I thought, oh, well, this, uh, this would be cool. I could actually go back to school and have the telephone company pay for my postgraduate work. So I'm looking down of all of the things that, you know, that they would pay for, and discovered I wasn't actually interested in any of them, right? They wanted degrees in uh, electrical engineering. They wanted uh, degrees that, uh, you know, in, in chemistry and things that would further some of the assets. But I noticed, oh, well, they would pay for me to get a business degree. And so with the thought of advancing my career and being paid more, I entered upon this idea of uh, going back to business school. And sure enough, two and a half years later, they had paid entirely for my MBA program. And I remember uh, when I graduated, actually the month before I graduated, my mom was like, well, where's the ceremony? You know, I can't wait to come to your graduation ceremony. And I went, graduation ceremony? 
Well, I, I guess there will be one. I hadn't really thought about that. And my mother stood there with her arms folded in her most sort of disapproving way. I'm sure you know people who can pull that off where you just feel like you're about an inch tall. And she said, Larry, you're the first person in our family that's ever even graduated from college at all. And now you're getting a secondary degree. You're getting an MBA. It's like the cousins are going to want to come. The the family back east will fly out. Believe me, there's going to be a graduation ceremony. But what I realized was this huge achievement meant nothing to me whatsoever. That the two and a half years of working full-time and being in school full-time, that all of the classwork, it basically meant nothing to me. Now, we could argue whether that was a road that I shouldn't have gone down, right? I mean, one can always argue, you know, everything up until now got me to be here. Uh, But I would say, have I used much of that information? Did it ever afford me? And I think this was a little detour on the road of life. Maybe, Maybe not the wrong road, but certainly it was the long road. (laughs) Certainly it added to my stress at the time. Certainly it was the path maybe that I could have taken differently. So what's to keep us from taking the path that could perhaps not really serve us? Close your eyes for a moment. Imagine, if you will, a time when you felt so connected to what you were doing that the minutes and the hours just flew by. Now, sometimes we talk about it as being in the zone. Have you heard that expression? I was just in the zone that day. And the day just zoomed by a million miles an hour. And I knew I was in the right place, doing the right thing. Everything felt on point. I started the day with a, a, a happiness and a sense of partition, a participation. And at the end of the day, I felt rewarded just from having lived that day. Now, sometimes you're maybe imagining yourself doing a hobby that you really love. Or maybe, maybe you're imagining a group of friends that just mean the world to you, where you just feel in sync. Maybe it's a part of the job that you have. Well, those moments in many of our employment opportunities where uh, we just feel so useful and on point, and the day flies. And for others of us, maybe it's when we get together with, uh, with family from afar and, uh, and get to spend time with grandchildren that we don't get to spend as much time as we'd like with. So just keep picturing yourself in one of those times when you were in the zone, feeling joyful, feeling blissful, if you will, knowing that this perhaps uniquely is a time when you are in tune with not only your own self, but with the universe. Okay, open your eyes. Now what I know about each one of your experiences is is that it also has something in common. Just as our uh, talk of famous people, they all had something in common. What you all just imagined, as different as they are, also had something in common. And that's that you were feeling connected something bigger than yourself and in such a way that you were literally 
in the bliss of it. You were literally in the zone of it. For some people, it might have been woodworking. Who knows? For some people, it might have been playing in a concert. For some people, it could have been with friends or family. Some people, right at work, they get to feel that. If not every day, many days. This, this is the secret. If there is really a secret of knowing that you're on the right path, this is it. It doesn't actually get more complicated than this. Now, some of you are going to give me a little bit of pushback, and I appreciate that. And the pushback would be on the lines of, well, Larry, in my vision that I just had, I was doing one of my hobbies. I was out golfing. And although I was in the zone that day, and although I felt perfect and connected in everything that you just described, like, how's that going to pay the rent? How's that going to move me forward into uh, to living my life, right? It was a period in time, and that period had its moment, and then it was over. I want to suggest, if you're feeling that way, that maybe you haven't gone deeply enough to explore the characteristics of that moment. Again, let's not look at what you were doing so much as your experience of what you were doing. Was it you in the out of doors? Was it you one-on-one -on -one with someone else? Was it you in a, in a group working together cohesively? Was it you exploring your artistic and creative talents? Do you see where I'm going with this? It may be less about the specific what, and you'll remember that that was what we promised we were going to allow God to take care of in our contracts last week. Or is it more about the elements that made up that thing, the, the you in that thing? Let me just take a crazy example. I know my, my grandfather was all about woodworking, and he always felt that, that, uh, that he really would never be able to make a living, right? It was one of those uh, kind of, he viewed it as tinkery things that he did in the garage after work was over. And I remember at the time thinking, well, that's interesting, because what does he do for a living? Well, he was, believe it or not, it was when the Oregon City uh, Mill was in full production. Uh, I know long closed down mostly these days, but he was the millwright there. And what did he do for a living? He tinkered with the machinery. It wasn't wood, right? But it was the, almost the exact same kinds of activity. And he got a lot of pleasure from that job. He was one of those uh, career people that really, that was his first job and it was his last job. Do you see the difference here between how we approach something and what it is that we're actually doing? So I want you to think about this vision that you had of being in the zone and its characteristics and see if those characteristics can be applied in other places in your life. Maybe in the job that you have right now. One more example from my own life. Um, one of the other things that the telephone, I don't know why I'm talking about that ancient job today, but there you have it. Uh, and one of the things also that they did was they were, of course, very interested in having computer programmers in the 60s. It was a, a field that was just getting started, and so they offered to train people in computer programming uh, for free, no problems. Uh, can you imagine me being a computer programmer? 
right? You, you would likely put that way at the end of possible careers for Larry, right? Makes no particular sense. But I went through that. I learned how to do computer programming. And I will tell you, I spent 10 years with the telephone company involved in computer programming. They were some of the happiest years of my life. And you know what? I wasn't programming at all. I was managing computer programmers. And those of you who do know me pretty well know that my bliss is working in small groups with people, having some clear goals that we can put together in a way that will move towards some kind of a, a result that helps other people and is good in the world. You know that my bliss is interpersonal skills and listening to people and coaching people. Everything about my bliss, I got in that job. Computer programming. <laughs> so if you're a woodworker on the sly, if you enjoy working with kids, but that's not your career, right? Maybe it's time to begin thinking about your life differently. What brings you bliss? So as you can imagine, I have some homework for you today. I want you to take, uh, and you don't need to limit yourself just to this one little session where we closed our eyes and tried to imagine what brings bliss into our lives. But, but I would like you to employ one of the spiritual, or one or more of the spiritual practices uh, that we teach here to analyze those moments of bliss that you know about yourself. Uh, journaling is a great one. Also visioning. Let's take journaling as an example, though. Maybe write out two or three of the areas in your life that you just feel blissful about. Maybe one's a hobby. Maybe one are certain elements of what you do for a living. Maybe uh, one is uh, some interpersonal things that you have with other people. But make sure there are all times and activities where you feel in the zone. Write those down. See what they have in common. Ask yourself questions like, uh, uh, am I more blissful when I'm by myself or with other people? Ask yourself questions like, uh, is this have to do with my creativity or is it adding on to things that other people have already done? Is it working with my hands? Is it working outside? Is it working with music? Is it working with children? Right? Ask yourself the common things going on in there. And then the second part of your homework is, how can I apply that to my life as it is right now? How can I begin getting more bliss, more clarity around this road I'm on, around this, uh, this moving the forward one step at a time towards my goal? Because if I don't know what my goal is, if I don't know what my bliss is, if I don't know why I'm here on the planet, if I don't know my contribution, if I don't know some flavor of all those things, it could be 65 miles an hour the wrong way on the freeway. It could be. Now, I'm here to tell you, from the science of my perspective, no path that we embark upon is ultimately a wrong one. They will all lead you to where you need to go in the end, but wouldn't it be nice if it was a pleasant path? <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if it was a path more towards our liking, where we feel the love and the joy and the peace that we so deserve? 
And I believe that we can have that using the divine creative process, using our covenant with God to do our part of holding a vision, being clear on what we want to do, how we want to show up, taking small steps in the direction of that, and absolutely turning the rest over to God, we will be ultimately successful. And our lives will be filled with those things that bring us bliss. This is totally a win-win situation. I'm going to do just a quick reading from, uh, from the book and a prayer. She said, Inspired action is love and expression. Love is the greatest creative power of the universe. In fact, the Bible calls this power God. God is love. If this is true, then every love-inspired act is also an expression of the divine creative process. Is it any wonder, then, that the results can sometimes seem miraculous? When you are considering whether an idea for action is inspired, ask yourself simply, would I love to do that? If the answer is yes, pay attention. If the answer is yes, it may be calling you into your own personal promised land. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness. This, this one thing goes by many names. I choose to call it God. And for me, God is that universe of infinite possibilities. And as I have my vision of how I'm, I am to live, lead my life, as I bring forward my possibilities into a sense of, of potential and then into a, a further sense of where I'm going, I simply take a few steps in that direction. I simply say to myself, if I make this decision or that decision, does it take me closer to or slightly further away from my set of goals, from my vision of the future, from my intended purpose, from what gives me bliss? If I make this decision, will I love it? Will I feel blissful about it? It's as easy as that. And as this is true for me, I know without question it's true for everyone. Each of us has that ability to make choices on what brings us joy. To make choices based on having clarity in the world of where we're headed, how we want to show up, what brings us that sense of being in the right place at the right time. And as we make those choices, God rushes in to make it so. God brings us the material, the, the, um, the gumption, the will, the joy. God brings us the uh, uh, resources we need and the participants. All of that how God will take care of. And so for this, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the, the success in the world that comes from the expansion of our consciousness. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. 
We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.